Stern Pinball launches Godzilla. Pinball Brothers announce Alien LV and reveal Queen prototype. Lyman Sheets and Josh Sharp team up on Cactus Canyon. Hi, my name is Jonathan Houston. I'm the editor of Pinball Magazine, and I'm joined here today with... I'm Martin Lev, and I'm the editor of Pinball News, and we're here to look back on all the events in the pinball world that took place in the month of September 2021. Yes, and it's been quite an interesting month, uh, should I say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think and, you're right. Yeah, and uh, well, if you are a listener, a regular listener to this podcast, you know that we almost say that every month, but in almost. this case, it's absolutely the case. Yeah, we, if it is a quiet month, we do it's a quiet month, but this wasn't. No, no. absolutely not. There's uh, quite some news, and um, uh, aside from the headlines that we um, just mentioned, we'll also have an interview with Rob Burke of Pinball Expo at the end of the podcast where Rob will be telling you all about what's coming up for the upcoming Pinball Expo show at the end of October. Yeah, in the end of this month that we're in at the moment. So uh, it's only a few weeks away. So, uh, yeah, Rob's going to tell us all the, all the details and all the excitement um, to look forward to in a, in a few weeks' time. But we better start straight away and get on with all the, all the news that, that there is. And we'll start with the news from Stern Pinball. Yeah, that's probably the biggest news of the month. Um, Announcing and then revealing uh, Godzilla, and I have to say I am very impressed with that game. It looks like a lot of fun. Yes, yeah, some very innovative mechs in there, especially on the premium and limited edition version. I think. Yes, it's. uh, I think we're we're, we're all looking forward to playing that one and getting our hands on one. Although um, not available just yet, but um, hopefully soon. Yeah, soon. I think there was a bit of opinion uh, being divided over the the artwork on the game uh, where zombie yeti jeremy packer um doing the art on that so lots of people loving it uh, that's that's fair to say i thought it would look, look really good but i think maybe for the godzilla purists it was a feeling that it wasn't quite godzilla-y enough maybe a bit yeah. more sort of more towards um, avengers in 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 look and feel yes um, brightly colored whereas the the original Godzilla movies were sort of fairly muted in, yeah, in tone. And the, the, the green Godzilla, uh, according to some people, looked like a watermelon. Um, <laughs> yeah, I can see why people might think that. And I think uh, Godzilla should have had maybe a, a darker color, but that's not going to spoil the game for me. But that's no, absolutely not. Thing. No, I think uh, I think if it was darker, darker, more muted colors, it would look a bit more like the Ultraman game from uh, from Spooky, which does exactly that, and I think it's in keeping with the original theme. But, you know, stern pinballs need to be bright and attractive and draw players in, and doing something which is, you know, too dull doesn't really work in that regard. So yeah. it's, it's a difficult uh, balance to, to make, but I think, uh, I think overall it, it looks great. Yeah, and um, I take my hat off to uh, uh, the, well, the entire design team, I suppose, uh, Keith Elwin in particular, um, I'm not that much into Godzilla, but looking at this game, I really want to get my hands on it because it really looks like fun. It does. I think uh, that uh, that building which moves up and down and has multiple layer, uh, multiple different uh, ball paths on it, um, that's something we haven't really seen ever, I think, well, when I, I first think, saw I th- it. I think you, could, uh, you can best describe it as a, uh, a sort of combination of 
Gilligan's Island meets Doctor Who. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, and also um, a bit like the X Files as well, with the the uh, yeah the, the, uh, the filing cabinet moving up and down. But it's far more complicated and and uh, oh, yeah, enjoyable absolutely. than that. Yeah. It seems to have a lot of different ball paths and uh, and even able to lock balls on top of it as well in the yeah, uh, in the yeah. premium. Well, let's just say this is the premium LE where it moves up and down. In the in the pro is a static building, so yes. it doesn't have that. But it does have a, a number of different paths through the different floors as well, even on the pro. Yes, and uh, now it's, um, uh, dare I say, finally some innovation that we've been, that many have been looking for uh, in pinball. And some may say, like, this is a throwback to the early 90s, but that's probably what we are looking for, because that was sort of like the golden age in in recent pinball history. Yeah, I think... uh Personally, I was thinking you know, maybe we've reached the point where you can't come up with devices which interact with the ball in ways that we haven't seen before. But, you know, have, have we seen everything? But then, not only have we got the, the moving building here, we've also got the, the Mecha Godzilla as well, which is a, a, a U-shape. Well, it's a it's a ramp which leads to a, a, a magnet within a, a toy, but grabs the ball. But then the the ramp rotates around to reveal a target bank right. as well. And- so. No, I haven't think, seen that before. No, and I think the use of the um, uh, the captive ball magnet is also yeah. very innovative, which is basically at the corner of two paths, and it can grab the ball from both ways uh, and 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 uh, redirect it. And also yeah, and, and, way, and drop the way it onto the used to flipper. drop it on the flipper so you can make yeah. a shot. Excellent work by uh, by Elwin. So. Kudos uh, and congratulations to the entire design team, and uh, hopefully we'll see these games on location soon enough. Yeah, and to the mechanical design on that game, I don't know who it is, but uh, it looks like they've done a, a sterling job with that, and being able to get, being able to get something, over, well, t- several mechs as complicated as they are, yeah. into into that game. Uh, which the, uh, um, I, which I, I believe gonna... the mechanical designer is called uh, Harrison, and uh, let me bring up something immediately. Um, For those interested in hearing more about the Godzilla game, there is a discussion or a panel discussion with the entire design team available on the uh, Stern Insider uh, uh, program, which is uh, basically you sign up for that on their website and then you get access to uh, to uh, these podcasts for free. That's free. That's free. It was was originally... It was, I think, it was a, a lock-in period where you had to be a subscriber, yeah, a paid subscriber. After seventy-two hours, which yes. already expired, um, mm-hmm. the interview became available to uh, to everybody. And um, much to my surprise, um, there there's now also a transcript of that podcast available. Oh, that's so excellent. if you don't want to listen to it and you want to quickly uh, read about it, then that's also a possibility. So I figured I'd mention that as well. Yeah, I think I think they must have a, a sort of automated transcription service there because they did the same thing for when they launched the uh, Insider Connected interview with George Gomez, and uh, there were various bits of that where it said, it just says, like in brackets, inaudible, right? Which kind of meant that the trans- transcription service couldn't work out what was being said, whereas somebody who was listening to it in person would be able to hear it. So right. I guess that's a, an automated service. But okay, it's it's all good. Yeah, if there's any parts you're particularly interested in, you can always go and listen to them um, and try and work out what's uh, not in the transcript. Right. So, so that's great. Yeah. So, um, but uh, with the uh, uh, the launch of Godzilla, we uh, well the, the the Godzilla being a 
enormous monster, uh, we also <laughs> saw enormous price increases. <laughs> oh, nice, nice bridge there. Um, one which is hopefully a little more, a little more reliable than the one in the game, which breaks in two. Um, yes, there was an email from Gary Stern which basically explained uh, the problems they've been having in um, in paying for for the the, uh, the staff in the factory they were they're having trouble recruiting staff and having to pay an extra well they worked out it was a hundred dollars a game i think on uh, on the build of each machine and also price rises on components and scarcity of components as well so and and increased shipping costs which have gone up massively as we've spoken about all this before um, with with mike kalinowski of homepin uh, about all the the uh, supply chain problems that are in existence around the world but anyway it, the the net effect is uh, that the uh, was it the gross effect i can't remember um that it's a 700 dollar increase on the price of the pro uh, a 1200 dollar increase on the price of the premium and a 1300 dollar price on the limited edition which uh, for Godzilla is limited to one thousand units, so uh, you would think that's not not that limited, but it's apparently all sold out almost immediately. So uh, it it, uh, it certainly is limited, and uh, yes, yeah, so that now means the limited edition total price is uh, just shy of uh, ten thousand five hundred US dollars. That's wow. the manufacturer price. Just just so, just the price increase on the limited edition is good for. One point three million dollars. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, so a thousand of those, and you got yeah, an extra one point three million uh, just on those. So uh, yeah, it's congratulations, um, it's, sir. <laughs> it, it takes it takes Stern LEs into the uh, above the ten thousand um, dollar price barrier, which uh, for the first time, apart from the you know the 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 super LEs and the uh, and the platinum games for uh, Batman sixty six and Beatles. So that's that's now the price going forward, and that's going to be the price on all their remakes as well. They're they're not um, they're not sticking to the original prices, and but Stone did give the option of anybody who had orders in for um, for for ba- manufacturers of yeah. yeah exactly older titles that they they could back out if they don't want to pay that price. But if they, if they go back and remake any of their recent titles, that's the price that uh, you can expect to find. Hmm. Yep, that's the, that's the way of the world at the moment. Prices I'm, going I'm up. Very curious to see whether those prices will drop once um, uh, resources mm-hmm. become uh, more available. Um, well, I heard that, that prices for wood already started uh, declining because uh, it's more available than it was a couple of months ago. So true. Um, it's also worth, probably worth mentioning in, in mitigation, or partial mitigation for those price rises, is that uh, Godzilla and all future games will have the the insider-connected QR code reader installed on the, in the apron. We mentioned this in the, in the last month's pincast. Yes. But um, it looks like the price of that for, um, for distributors yeah. is likely to be about $300. Yes, for, I for think the QR reader that is. Yeah, so $700 of that $300, no, $300, the 700 increase on the Pro could, I suppose, be attributed to the to the insider connected QR code reader. Right. So maybe it's not so bad. But, uh, yeah, that's, that system's not um, actually live yet, insider connected, and that's, yeah. the, uh, that's the internet connected gameplay that we, we spoke about before. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. uh, that Stern have said it will be live when Godzilla games arrive on location. But there are apparently some delays in getting Godzilla into production due to part shortages and, uh, and well, basically delays in getting the parts into the factory. Right. Yeah. So, well, it's a bit of a disappointment. Um, it's always disappointing when something is announced for uh, uh, a certain date and then once the date arrives, it's not there. Well, I think they actually put a, a specific date. No, they said that's... when the game gets on on site, and the game isn't on site yet, so it's fair. Yeah. Well, we, um, we we've seen pictures of the production line at Stern where games are being assembled. So you think like, wait, well, they're not going to store them inside the factory. Uh, no, at least that's not what you expect. It, it's uh, possible so they are missing a particular mech or, or oh yeah, device. We've seen, we've seen that in the past that there's yes. a, uh, cabinets piled up against the wall, or sorry, mm-hmm. playfields piled up against the wall, um, yeah. waiting for a certain uh, part to be uh, to be put on there. I think uh, the last time I saw that was with a Star Wars game uh, by Steve Ritchie, uh, where certain. I think they had a shortage of, of, of Death Star yeah. uh, uh, Max or, or toys. The actual model yeah, yes. itself. Yeah. Um, so anyway, if you do want to sign up for the Insider Connected, um, you can go to insider.sternpinball.com. You can't actually register at the moment, but as soon as the system goes live, you will be able to. If you try... It'll just say the domain name is not valid when you put in your email address. I don't think there's any specific um, advantage in registering early because it's based on your email address rather than a username or anything like that that somebody else is going to take first. So unless you're sharing an email address, I don't think uh, you have a worry there. So um, we will we will obviously let you know in uh, hopefully by the, in the next month's pincast. We will be able to tell you that the uh, Insider Connected is live, and uh, you can go there and register, and right. uh, and start scanning your QR code on uh, on the Godzilla games and any other games which I had had the system fitted to. Right. Okay. So, and uh, uh, closing off the uh, Stern Pinball topic, um, code updates. Yes. Uh, well, only only the one this time. Uh, which is for the Mandalorian, which just came out uh, yesterday. Actually, we're recording this at the start of uh, start of October. So, just yesterday, thirtieth of September, was version zero point nine eight, which added in a feature which they tend to add into pretty much all their games now at Stern, which is be able to jump straight into the wizard mode from the from the gameplay menu at the start, which you get by holding the flipper button. Um, and that's what they've done here. They've added in the uh, you have what I want challenge mode into the gameplay. And um, I suppose with that, they've also added, a, you know, tweaked some, some of the scoring, some of the lighting effects, uh, some of the rules, and fixed a couple of bugs and spelling errors. But uh, so that's version 0.98 um, of the Mandalorian. Right. Okay. So, uh, well, that's it for our first uh, headline. Um, I suppose uh, we uh, jump right into our second headline regarding um, two. Um, sort of game reveals announcements mm. from uh, Pinball Brothers, um, and it's, it's it's rather interesting. I think about a week ago, um, the uh, limited version, uh, in short, LV for Alien mm-hmm. was announced with uh, various mock-up images uh, of what the game looks like and uh, a list of enhanced 
uh, features. Yeah, although that that game actually seems to have been shipped to various people already, or at least at least some some aspects of it have been. Uh, the um, the limited version has a whole bunch of uh, of of. Uh, Enhancements, I suppose you'd probably say, as you would, as you would expect for the LV, which is limited to 1,000 units. Which it uh, has, uh, yeah, sorry, which is kind of odd because I don't think they ever got close to even a thousand standard versions, no. um, and then announcing a limited version with an, an even higher production run. That sort of doesn't make sense to me, but. Well, yeah, they it's might a limited, still sell a lot of standard versions after that when the limited is long sold out. I yeah, suppose. at least it, at least it is limited uh, if you put a number on it, right. no matter how high that number is. But the uh, the limited version comes with powder coated um, armor, uh, metal work on the game side rails, um, legs, hinges, that kind of stuff. Uh, has a uh, a lit backboard at the at the very back of the game. It has uh, the rotating beacons that uh, we saw on the Alien game uh, from Highway Pinball, although they're a different design and a bit more squat. And I think uh, I think general reaction to that has been that they, people prefer the original ones, which are more true to the movie. Uh, it also has um, Zeno side armor, which is sort of laser cut. Um, the area around the flipper buttons that that's um, that's been laser cut in the shape of a Zeno. Um, it has um, anti-reflective glass. One of the pop bumpers, I think, is now in a sort of open egg design rather than all being closed, which may or may not be a good thing. Um, it brings back the lit in inner cabinet side art, which the Highway Pinball game, or at least the uh, the limited version of that, had. Uh, and then um, shaker motor and uh, some kind of limited apron on it as well, which is, uh, I think, a metal apron compared to the plastic one. And um, the price of limited version, well, not entirely dissimilar to the Godzilla one. The Godzilla uh, limited version is ten four nine nine, and the uh, the Alien limited version is ten six nine five. Okay, which is an increase of two thousand one hundred dollars over the standard version. At wow. Eight thousand five hundred and ninety-five. If you remember, it wasn't a what um, last month or the month before. I think when uh, there was a price increase given because they were originally listed. I think at seven 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 and nine 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 nine. So they've uh, they both gone up in price as well. And we can uh, we've already gone over why that might be. But um, yeah. so yeah. so uh, those are the features of the limited version of uh, the Alien game. Yeah. And uh, if you're interested, then reach out to your uh, uh, local or regional um, Pinball Brothers distributor, I would say. Yeah, exactly. But there's more news from uh, Pinball Brothers because um, just a a couple of days following the announcement of uh, Alien LV, a Queen pinball machine popped up in London. Now, Martin, since you're based in London, in the United Kingdom, what can you tell us about this? Well, I saw this posted on Facebook, um, and it was just a picture and no explanation what it was or where it was. So I thought, okay, that's very interesting. I don't know if it's... uh, It did say Pinball Brothers on it, and you could see that um, under the display. And I thought, well, I don't don't know where that is, but I I didn't really pay that much attention to it. And then the next day... 
Um, it turned out that it was in London. So um, I, I'm not actually living in London at the moment, but uh, it's not a, not a million miles away. In fact, it's about 60 miles away. So I changed my plans for the, for the next day. Um, and of, of all the things in, in, in this country at the moment, we are having a fuel shortage for vehicles. So getting petrol or diesel is, has been very, very difficult. Right. You know, it involves queues at, at uh, petrol and, and filling stations uh, of, uh, you know, 40 minutes, an hour, two hours, just to try and get some fuel. But I thought, okay, never mind. I'm, I don't care. I've got to get in the car. So I jumped in the car, drove down to London, got on the uh, the underground to uh, to Oxford Circus and made my way to the new pop-up store, which is on Carnaby Street in London. I do know where that is. And this store is called Queen the Greatest. And um, the reason I know where Carnaby Street is because it wasn't that long ago that there was another pop-up store in there for The Who. And they had uh, a couple of who, yeah, them, yes. <laughs> who they, yes. <laughs> but a uh, different part of Carnaby Street, but uh, this was right at the very far end. And uh, it's basically a merchandise store f- um, selling officially licensed Queen. Merchandise. Uh, yeah, stuff, you know, mugs, jackets, T-shirts, records, records, CDs, videos, you know, all that kind of stuff. Right. Uh, and... Um, in the, it's a, on on two layers or two levels, and on the in the basement is uh, sitting this uh, this Queen game from Pinball Brothers. It's right. um, it's blasting out music and playing videos on the display, and um, yeah, and similar to Alien, it has a uh, an LCD in the back box, but yeah. not an LCD uh, in the playfield like Highway used to do. No, I think uh, don't think that's going to be something which Pimble Brothers are, are going to bring back. It doesn't have a secondary display on either on the uh, on the screen. Oh, sorry, on the playfield, um, like uh, Alien does, you know, for the for the lock. Right. Okay. So and it's, the, uh, reason, the reason I bring this up is apparently uh, this uh, Queen Pinball was a design that was done by uh, Barry Osler and Dave Sanders when they were both working for Highway Pinball, uh, which eventually ended up with uh, the finances of the company being the Pinball Brothers. And um, uh, originally, I understand it, that the game was designed as a white body. It was, uh, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. now it's turned into a standard body, but neither Dave Sanders or Barry Osler have been involved in that. No, Pinball Brothers have redesigned it. Um, various various um, assemblies within the, within the game were in the original design, but they've been moved around. There's a uh, a large electric guitar upper playfield called Big Red, I think. Uh, no, Red Special. Sorry, Red Special, which is the name of Brian May's guitar. So that uh, used to be on the left hand side in uh, in Barry and Dave's design, and now it's on the right hand side. And uh, I think it's it's all been shrunk down, obviously, to fit into a, a standard body game, and. I don't think it's it's necessarily suffered much. I, I didn't see the original design, but there's nothing in there which you think, oh, um, that's looking very cramped, or indeed that there's a huge amount of space in there either. It looks like it's a, a fully featured game, and you'd never know it was ever designed on my body. Right, okay. And it, uh, although it's a prototype, it does have 
uh, artwork on the playfield in the cabinet and so on. It might Absolutely. not be the uh, the final artwork, but there is currently some artwork on there. Um, um, I would say that uh, given the the uh, approval process that they've had to go through in order to get that that uh, that artwork approved, I don't I can't imagine it's going to change easily. Put it that way. Uh, that, I'm sure there were there were multiple revisions in order to get approval. You're talking about like four, but well, four band members, three of whom are still alive, I think. Um, so you're, uh, you're you're trying to get approval from from them or their estates um, for the for the likenesses as they are portrayed because it's not a it's not a photograph it's not a photo montage it's, it's actually drawn based on photographs from uh, the stage shows and it's it's also worth pointing out that this is Queen Live which was the original license that uh, Highway Pinball had it was for the use of the live live material from their shows not the promotional videos and not not from the records so yeah, the recordings not the, not the recordings no it's the recordings that you're it's playing are their, their stadium videos basically right. from the shows which are uh, still quite energetic oh absolutely yeah probably probably better i'd say in in many ways you know you, you really get the energy out of it and whereas you know a, a video is a video and you've probably seen those a million times before Right. So, um, but the the key thing about this is that it's not playable. Okay, this is a prototype, and it's there as well. Really, they were the Pinball Brothers were contacted by Queen's Record Company and asked if they could bring the game to this store. Obviously, Pinball Brothers have been working with the record company in order to get the you know the the, the music license and the approval of the the imagery, right. and um, and Pinball Brothers basically rushed this game into a, a complete enough state that it could sit there and give a good representation of how the final game will look at will look like there are some mechs missing on it there are some bits missing which means it couldn't be played there are no balls in the game i don't think other than uh, one captive ball and um you can't start a game it just on the display it just said it's uh, it's not gameplay is disabled right so it's so, basically there for display purposes it is, and it's um, it's kind of like a, a jukebox, really. It's just sitting there playing music and videos. Yeah, it's it's the only source of Queen music in the, in the lower level of the store. I think they have music upstairs, but it's uh, it's a lot louder than that. And it's uh, yeah, it's doing a light show, which uh, which looks very nice. And it's and it, there are a couple of flyers on top. Well, there's a front and back of a flyer uh, on top of the game, so people can see what what's in it. And it's uh, it's kind of like a preview. It's 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 the Pinball Brothers. Unfortunately, there were two of them there while I was there, so I was able to talk to them about this and find out all the details about the rules and the history of the game and uh, and and the plans for it. And it's it's probably about I reckon it's been six to nine months away from being on sale or being officially launched. This is not a launch. This is maybe a reveal. Is the is the best word to describe it and it's a reveal of a, a work in progress prototype game so it's going to be very different when it launches but exactly how different we don't know at this stage right okay well since you talked to the pinball brothers actually i was hoping to get them uh, uh, as a special guest on our podcast that you are yep i did indeed um they they uh, declined on this occasion so that uh, they didn't want to say anything more about the game because it's it's not the finished game and they they really don't want this to be a, a launch or a you know a, a promotion for that game this is more about the the pop-up store 
and helping the record company out. And uh, the, obviously, they knew people were going to find it, um, but they didn't. I think it was. I think it was actually there for almost a day before anybody uh, in the pinball world realised. But they 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 drove it over. It was. I think it was made in Germany or assembled in Germany. This game and it was brought brought over on uh, the weekend and set up for the launch, or the opening of the store on Monday morning. Okay. And I think by Tuesday, people knew about it. Well, that's how quickly it can go, people. Yeah. And of course, well, it, uh, a queen is a very desired uh, theme for pinball. Let's Absolutely. Yeah, so so kudos for uh, to, to the pinball brothers for, for keeping that license uh, uh, to them, because I know other pinball companies would... Love to jump at the occasion to uh, to do that theme. I think you're right. Yes, yeah. So they uh, they had it, um, but I don't think it was it was simply a case of just renewing the license in order to get it because uh, um, I don't think they've got exactly the same assets as as Highway Pinball had, but they've they certainly got an awful lot of stuff. I think it was 14 full full length tracks and video or for performances. I suppose is probably the best way of saying it within the game. Now I, I can't remember whether this is um, accurate I mean, or not. But someone did mention to me that the Highway Pinball game had some original music from Brian May in it somewhere. Right. Okay, but I don't know whether that's going to be in this game or not. Okay, um, I did. Uh, well, they, uh, one of the designers, Dave Sanders, did comment on uh, on, on the game on Pinside. Mm-hmm. One of the one of the things that he mentioned is that they are not allowed. To use any music past 1986, um, according to because basically that's when Queen stopped touring live, and um, so they didn't. Well, they couldn't have done any material that they would release two years later that hasn't hadn't been written at the time that they were touring. So, so that makes right. sense. So, there's a, mm-hmm. a couple of people wondering. Why certain titles are not in there, like the show must go on or something like that, which would be great for winning a free game or something like. But yeah, if that was recorded after 1986, then yeah. Well, also, be- also, I'd say you want you want games that have got you know high energy to them. Oh, sorry, t- t- tracks that have got high energy to them. You don't want, you don't necessarily want slow or mournful songs yeah, like, like that. Okay, well, you could use it. Extra bile could be uh, who wants to live forever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, do you want do you want to just have that track in there just for that moment when the ball drains? Whereas you could have, you know, you could have ten minutes of another track. Right. So, oh well. Um, it, the interesting thing is, uh, we now know that Pimble Brothers will be making a Queen Pimble machine somewhere in the future. Uh, uh, most likely next year, which mm-hmm. is a, a very desired title and um, could really put them on the map. Yeah, I, I asked whether there'd be a, a, a limited version, the standard version, um, but they said it's too early to say at this stage. So uh, we we'll have to wait and see. But say probably six to nine months. So the the pop up store in London is open until uh, early January next year. The game is going to be there for that entire time. So if you're uh, visiting London and want to have a look, then pop along. It's um, will it be there it, until EAG? It won't. No, because I think it's about the about the ninth of January. I think it closes, and EAG is after that. Hmm. So too uh, yeah, too bad. I'm afraid, uh, and also it's 
they don't plan to make any changes to the game. So the things that are missing in it, they're, you know, they're not going to go and put, install those. They're not going to update the software or anything like that. It's right. it, What you see now is what you will see in three months' time. Right. So, But it still will be interesting um, uh, looking at the month of January where the uh, EAG show, uh, trade show will, uh, will take place. It would be nice to combine it with a visit to that Queen store. Or maybe to someone who is uh, holding on to that prototype uh, once the store closes. Mm, I, I imagine that they will pick it up and, and take it back uh, fairly quickly. But um, oh, we'll see. Um, I'll just do a blatant plug and say if you want to see uh, lots of pictures and uh, some video from that game, then uh, head over to Pinball News where our uh, I think our lead article is uh, currently featuring Queen. Yeah, game. lots of pictures in that article and really my compliments for you to uh, uh, being so quick. Uh, reporting on it because I think you really provided the world with uh, with all the images that are now floating around. Yeah, thanks. Uh, it needed to be done. I think we needed to get some decent pictures. So uh, um, I was happy to uh, to change my plans and, and go down there. And uh, fortunately, I was able to get some some diesel in the car when I got back home to uh, to top up what I'd used. So uh, right. yeah, I was going so to we, we can get home safely, but you did. Yeah, we can we can now go on uh, on holiday this weekend with a full tank of fuel. <laughs> anyway, okay. so moving on. Yeah, that's. Uh, I think that's everything from Pinball Brothers. Um, if, if we had, we uh, we don't have an interview with them, unfortunately, yet. But uh, hopefully, hopefully, for too long. Yeah. So, um, speaking of interviews, um, I already mentioned that we'll be talking to Rob Burke later on in the show. Uh, what we also should try to do is uh, reach out to our good friend uh, Gary Flower. We usually oh, yeah. interrupt us uh, during the show, but um, I think it might be safer to give him a call uh, so that we can put him in uh, where it's convenient for us. Yeah, because Gary was there as well, so I went to see the Queen game, so he can tell us what, what his opinions were. Oh, that will be interesting. So, uh, uh, shall we do that later on, or do you want to do that now? Let's do it now. Yeah, let's get him on, because oh, it's, uh, it's okay. a good point. He can, he can, we might be able to fill in some extra details that, uh, that we haven't mentioned. Okay, so, okay, um, I'm calling Gary right now. Okay, good stuff. So, let's see. Oh, oh. oh hi, Jonathan. Thanks for calling. I'm a bit, bit busy at the moment, can't talk, I'm just got multiball. Talk to you soon. Bye. Well, I don't think he's got multiball on the Queen game. Don't even Gary can do that. No, I think uh, there, there was Led Zeppelin music in the background. So, uh, okay, well, good for Gary for playing Led Zeppelin, and uh, apparently yeah. he got multiple. Wow, that's that. That should be one of our headlines, really. <laughs> Gary Flower gets multiple. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, must be uh, must be breaking news. Okay, well, well, that's a shame. Never mind. Uh, we'll we'll try and get back to Gary and find out uh, what what he's got to bring us uh, this month. But um, moving maybe on, he'll, maybe he'll call, call back during the show. We never know. Oh, I'm sure he will. If it's inconvenient, I'm sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. So um, then there is a uh, well. Not sure whether we should call it breaking news, uh, but there yeah, is news from we uh, well, Chicago Gaming just sent us a press release, and we got it up front. Mm-hmm. And I think in the meantime, the news has been made uh, public, or it will at least be made public within the next couple of hours. Um, and that is that they are announcing 
at Lyman Sheets and Josh Sharp have been contracted to develop uh, new and enhanced software for Cactus Canyon Remake. Uh Cactus Canyon uh, being the remake that has been already announced at the uh, Southern Fried Gaming Expo um, a couple of weeks ago. Yep. At that point, it was already also announced that the game will have new code, all new code, and as it turns out, um, none other than Lyman Sheets will be programming the game, and he's being assisted in that by Josh Sharp. And Josh Sharp is no stranger to people who are um, a little bit familiar with people in the industry. Mm-hmm. That's, that's fair to say, yeah. For those people who are wondering what Lyman's been been doing or was going to be doing after he left Stern, well, he's uh, he's now popped up at Chicago Gaming. Uh, interesting, though, that uh, that Josh has has joined him because, um, well, I mean, he's a very good tournament player, of course, absolutely. But uh, but Lyman is is more a programmer, and I guess Josh is more a, a rules guy. So, uh, well, no, Josh, a very good combination. Yeah, well, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Josh works uh, for Raw Thrills at the moment, and um, this isn't um, this isn't replacing. He isn't leaving Raw Thrills no. to to do this. This, this is, is a like sort a of side, side project. project. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, so and uh, Josh, of course, being uh, the brother of uh, Zach Sharp, who is uh, head of communications at Stern Pinball, and Zach and Josh both are being the sons of. Uh, Roger Sharp, who mm-hmm. you can read everything about in Pinball Magazine number one, uh, the man who saved pinball in the United States in 1976, and who's also getting his own movie about that story. That's right. But as we, mentioned we already before. talked to Roger about that a couple of uh, episodes ago. Yep. So Josh is certainly no stranger to pinball. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and talking about uh, the remake itself, we we were kind of expecting that to be revealed by now, having, right. as you said, been announced at the Southern Pride Gaming Expo. But uh, this this announcement today that they are uh, have been contracted to develop new and enhanced software for it kind of suggests that it's going to be a little while yet before the game is ready for, or at least a completed game is ready for, uh, for production. Not sure whether that's the correct interpretation, but I did talk to uh, Ryan White earlier today, and I asked whether there was any news about when we could see Cactus Canyon go into production, and basically he told me uh, this was the news uh, that was going out today, and uh, he was not discussing anything else. Right. Not sure whether I should put it like that, Mm -hmm. but it came down to that... The announcement is that Lyman and Josh are working on new code for the game, and the press release didn't mention anything of availability of the game anytime soon. No, we do know it's going to have an interactive topper to it, Um, so that's obviously going to be an enhancement and and, a new code. So I don't suppose it's just that, though. I'm sure they're doing a, a full rewrite of the rule set for uh, and and the uh, display stuff for uh, for the game. Right, but so. well, um, no, I, I, I would imagine that um, if it was ready, they would have shown it by now. But uh, that's just my interpretation as well. Yeah. I, it would be easy to imagine that they are um, suffering the same supply chain difficulties as every other manufacturer of pinball right. and every other manufacturer of anything at the moment. Right. So, well, and, um, 
I that's think. a speculation. I, I yeah. don't know. So, and uh, also, don't forget that uh, um, at the uh, Southern Fried Gaming Expo, Ryan White mentioned that they currently have five pinball projects in development. So, uh, I suppose they're busy enough. Um, it's not like they're uh, just looking at the ceiling waiting for Kings uh, <laughs> Canyon to go into production. No, I'm sure. And uh, they also announced you know, the re- remake of, of uh, was it Medieval Madness, I think, as well, in yes, in for... 2023, I think it was. Right. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, so they got their, their, their production schedule sort of worked out, I think. Yeah, that is if you can get all the components to, to put the game together. Yep, that's right. Yeah. Okay. okay, so, yeah, I think that's all the Chicago gaming news that we've got. So let's move on to... Well, it's uh, Jersey Jack Pinball and uh, see what they've been up to this month. Yeah. Um, I tend to say um, not very much other than that um, they have uh, taken a second pinball line in the factory uh, uh, into, um, well, production, I suppose you can uh, call it. Yeah, uh, say so it's so in full swing. So the, main, the main line is still making Guns N' Roses. And on the second line, they are building a, 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 a small run of Willy Wonka limited editions. Yes, which is... Uh, well, it's good to know that uh, they're not, they're, uh, the supply of, of other games is not being held up by, by having to build Guns N' Roses continuously for the next, I don't know, six months or whatever, however long their, uh, their order books are. So, yeah, um, other games are coming out. It makes you wonder whether they'll be in a position to launch another title anytime soon and put that on the second line or move Guns N' Roses over to the second line. So they could, they could effectively have two, two projects or two current products available. If they have enough staff to man both lines. Well, they have at the moment, it says. So, right. yeah. Okay, um, and there was some Scorbit news as well. I'll let you de- uh, let you deal with that. Yeah, um, well, as you as you may or may not know, Jersey Jack Pinball Games have the Scorbit system built in to their software. Other games um, can have Scorbit added to them, but they require the addition of a Scorbitron hardware board, which then hooks into mostly the display cable um, and and does a sort of optical character recognition i think uh, of the of the scores and the um and the features that you're uh, starting and the ball number and the player number and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. and and effectively puts that sends that back to the scorebit server where you can then hook that into your scorebit app and um, register your scores and your achievements, all that kind of thing, all your um, and the, the games that you played, and now they Scorbit, um, along with Jersey Jack, have added achievements into the system. Right, which, isn't that something like basically copying what Stern Insider Connected is trying to uh, uh, to launch? Yes, the same kind of thing. But it's no, neither of them can claim that uh, exclusivity on that because achievements are something that's very very common in the in the gaming world and on the consoles, you know, the Xbox and the PlayStation and that. Right. So you playing games, you collect achievement awards as you as you work your way through each game. So right. that's uh, it's a sort of standard gaming uh, language, I think. Yeah, okay, but it's interesting to see that uh, Stern announced uh, their Insider Connected, and then uh, Jersey Jack is actually the one implementing it first in their games. 
Yeah, absolutely. But but it's not just for them. It's also on, on older games as well. And this is where it gets really interesting in my point of view. Because, yes, okay, it's great it's in the Jersey Jack games. But that's software which can be written for those games to include that. That's fine. But for older games, now you you are adding new displays onto your onto your DMD or potentially your alphanumeric displays to, that let you know when you've achieved certain when you've actually collected these achievement awards. Okay. So you, your your DMD will stop showing, you know, the score and the ball number and all that stuff, and it'll say you've you've collected this achievement, which is. Um, Effectively, you know, like adding new software to older games, right. but um, just for the display, it, it doesn't affect the way the game plays. But it's kind of a layer on top of that, which is also you know reflected back in your your score bit uh, personal record. So you can see how you've achieved. You know, if you started a multi ball on Twilight Zone or something like that, then that's an achievement unlocked, and, and you can go in and and look on your app and see that you've you've collected that achievement. And there'll be other games, but but it also puts it on the DMD which is something which um, I don't think has been done before. Now, even Color DMD, when they they colorize the dots, that's great, but they don't change any of the information that's shown. Mm-hmm. Whereas this is actually adding new information onto the display, which or new animations or new new frames, which we haven't seen before. So I, I'm I'm quite excited by that because it's you now it's taking games which are you know, maybe from the from the late eighties, nineties. Um, all the way through the 90s, and now you've got new display stuff on your, on your existing games. Okay, does it all go back to early solid state as well? Uh, I think it. Uh, I think it will, although obviously it might be harder to actually display that kind of stuff. But there's well, no reason it shouldn't. Th- th- yeah. What I was wondering about is whether they can actually turn uh, numeric displays into alphanumeric displays. Um, well, n- <laughs> no, not if they weren't alphanumeric to start with. No. Well, it's, uh, 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 oh well, never mind. Yeah, no, I think that's that's asking a little more than the, the system's capable of. But it, but yeah, I mean, it might be able to do things with the displays. I don't. I actually haven't looked to see how it hooks into um, alphanumerics or um, even just numeric displays yet. I, I think it would have to be um, sensing the display information. But it's they have various ways of uh, getting the the game information out for like the newer Stern games. They actually um, they actually hook into the 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 code the the memory itself and start reading that. Right. So they have their interface. They don't 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 uh, sample the display data to try and get that information. They they can get it directly from from the operating system. Um, and um, but that's only the most recent ones. I think all all the DMD games you look and it says you basically route the DMD display through the bo- through the score bitron board. And uh, and then back onto the display, okay. and uh, that's how it works. Interesting. So, any other Jersey Jack news? Uh, I don't think so. I think that's uh, everything. I don't think there's been any code updates other than for adding uh, the achievement stuff. Okay, excellent. Then let's uh, move on to American Pinball. Yeah, it was a similar kind of thing, I suppose. They, they they're adding something which um, other company has has added to their stuff as well, which is um, team play. Now this is um, this is something which we will be adding to all their all their games, 
and it's uh, it's it's the same kind of thing that um, that Stern do with their gameplay menu. When you when you first start the game, you can choose whether you're going to just you know, everybody plays individually, or whether you play as as teams of uh, you no know, two people versus two people. You've got four four players, or or one versus two, or one versus three, or indeed put everybody all in in one team. So you're all you're all sharing achievements, sharing scores, sh- sharing objectives, that kind of thing, and all working towards beating the game. And it's um, it's something which they are uh, rolling out one. I think they're kind of doing it one game a month. And uh, they they did the first game uh, recently, which was what was it? Was it Houdini? I think it might have been. Um, and um, yeah, they, they, I think I think they, was was they doing it with uh, with Jack Danger and Dead Flip? I think they did a, a stream where they where they uh, unveiled this feature and uh, and played some games with it. And uh, yeah, looked looked good fun. Um, okay. It gives you all turn if you've got you've got a group of people together and you you can all work on the same game rather than trying to you know um, outdo each other so you can be collaborative rather than competitive. Hmm. Okay. Well, um, that's very interesting. I think that all started with Total Nuclear Annihilation uh, by Scott and Easy and see the impact that had. Uh, yeah. Well, he's uh, he's he's uh, broken the mold in a number of ways with that game. Yes. Right. So, um, so no news from uh, American Pinball regarding their upcoming title. No, um, no. Well, we'll just have to wait and um, and see. Hopefully, with Pinball Expo coming up this month, and they fix being uh, heavily involved in that. Uh, they fix being the uh, current uh, uh, pinball uh, director, I suppose. At um, American Pinball. Um, who knows what we might see at um, at Pinball Expo? Yes, David is is doing a seminar there about uh, the what's going on at American Pinball. So yeah, maybe maybe he'll have something to, to surprise the uh, the crowd there. Right. Okay. And the same goes, of course, for uh, Chicago Gaming as well. Uh, Ryan White is also doing a seminar at uh, Pinball Expo, and uh, who knows what he will bring with him. Hmm. Yeah. It just just rubbing salt into the wound of the fact that uh, we can't go. Yeah, yeah, I know, but <laughs> oh well, what are you going to do? Yeah. Um, so, um, well, uh, the, the past couple of months we've been talking about Deep Root Pinball and how that uh, seemed to be like a, a sinking ship. Mm-hmm. Um, with um, for those who are not familiar with the story. Uh, the company being funded by um, investment funds that were supposed to be investing in other stuff than pinball, I suppose. And yes. um, the SEC going after them and uh, basically uh, freezing the entire uh, company. So um, so what can you tell us about um, uh, what's recent events regarding Deep Root Pinball? You, you, okay. you, you dove into that and you found some very interesting stuff. Yeah, I've been following it and um, you know, we've done stories about it, obviously, on Pinball News. Um, I've heard that um, the staff there have had meeting, had a meeting with, with Robert Mueller, who's the head of uh, Deep Root generally, and all the subsidiary companies. Uh, he told them that there's no money for them to actually be paid, but they're not being made redundant at this stage, which uh, I'm not sure is a good thing or not. I guess if they were made redundant, they might be liable or might be uh, entitled to some redundancy pay. But uh, he did say that if alternative job opportunities do come along, they would be free to take them. 
uh, and free or wise, maybe, to take them. Because uh, it doesn't really look as if Deep Root Pinball's going to... This is for me now, not not what he's saying, but it um, doesn't look like P- P- uh, Deep Root Pinball's really going to uh, rise from the ashes of uh, the situation they're in at the moment. Um, Robert hasn't actually filed a response yet to the charges from the SEC. So uh, obviously he doesn't need to yet. But um, all the bank accounts and all the assets of, of all the Deep Root companies have been frozen at the request of the Securities and Exchange Commission, the SEC. Robert's not permitted to spend more than $10,000 on anything without court approval. And um, subsequent to that, uh, they kind of, his lawyer put in a, a, an appeal uh, which asked for $137,000 from a trust fund that uh, has been set up to be transferred to to his um, counsel, you know, his uh, his lawyers, um, for um, f- fifty thousand of which uh, would be for restructuring the um, the company and his own personal finances in preparation for a potential bankruptcy filing. So, I don't know whether that's just standard practice that they reserve some money in case the worst comes to the worst. But uh, that was being asked for. I don't think it's been granted yet. But they also asked for some funds to be made available saying, this is quoting now directly from the document, uh, Mueller requests that the court permit him to use up to 34000 in his personal bank accounts to pay for child support, health insurance and other critical living expenses up until the time which his wife is expected to return to work after giving birth, which is in, uh, she's, she's expected to return to, to work in March next year. Uh, instead, during that time, Mueller expects to seek alternative employment. Hmm. Hmm. So hmm. he might be working at Starbucks <laughs> alongside uh, J-Pop. Yes, yes. Well, he's certainly got plenty of experience. J-Pop. Bit um, of show him the ropes. Um, there is a breakdown of what that um, that money would be used for in terms of uh, child support payments, mortgage payments, um, health insurance payments, and all that kind of stuff in the court document. But uh, I don't think we need to go into that at the moment. That's uh, sort of fairly personal details, which, although they are publicly available, if you uh, decide to check up on it, um, the SEC will respond to this request from uh, Mueller's. Um, Council on the 6th of October, so uh, in five days' time from now. A week after that, uh, Rob will get the chance to have his say again, and a final decision about that money will be made on the 25th of October. Ooh, so but, we, we have our story, headline story for, for next month. Will yes. Robert get his money? But the important point to come out of this is that there's been no, no request for release of any funds for the Deep Root businesses, including Deep Root Pinball. So there'd be no, no more money available for that company or any other company in the Deep Root family. Um, they're not allowed to sell any of the assets or spend any money. For effectively, they are all frozen at this point. So nothing is happening with any of those. And yeah, That's usually a way to drive a company out of business. Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, it's until this uh, situation is resolved... Um, nothing is, is going to happen with them. And I guess people will just drift away naturally because and, and, people have, uh, have bills to pay, you know, including Robert, and uh, they don't all have uh, have that kind of money to, to rely on. So uh, they will they'll need to find alternative employment. And um, so even if the companies 
did get funding again, there don't supposed to be anybody actually around to work for them anymore. So right. I, th- so, I think so, that is pretty much the end of uh, of all those companies. Right. So now it's just a matter of seeing who ends up where. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So. Um, oh well. Well. Um, too bad for uh, for Deep Root. Um, there is yeah. sort of a um, an interesting story that I'd like to uh, to add to this, which is not so much Deep Root related, although there is a connection. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the ga- the first game that John Popperduik uh, designed uh, under his uh, Zitware umbrella, if you want to call it that, was uh, Magic Girl. And um, there's a couple of Dutch guys, uh, three guys, um, that have been uh, uh, buying the game and um, trying to get it to work. And um, uh, the story... Uh, about that game, well, they've been working on it for over two and a half years, I suppose. Um, but recently, uh, Gerard van der Sanden of the uh, Dutch Pinball Museum posted a uh, photo of himself um, standing in front of three Magic Girl pinball machines, um, which he claimed were uh, fully playable. Got some um, um, feedback of people that could not believe that was the case. And um, that made the uh, uh, the team of um, uh, well the, the the Magic Girl team from the Netherlands, I suppose you can call it, uh, decide to um, um, instead of just posting a uh, a gameplay video, uh, what they wanted to do was uh, shoot a video with a uh, professional uh, videographer mm-hmm. and uh, explain what they did to the game to make it. Um, uh, fully functional. Yeah, and I was asked to uh, to do an introduction for that video, which I did, and that vi- video will become available uh, in two versions, of which the uh, the short version will become available this weekend. I do not have a link right now, um, but it will be in the Pinball Magazine newsletter, which will go out later this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're curious about uh, this game and what many say is probably the most beautiful box of lights um, they have ever seen, uh, then I highly recommend uh, checking out that video once it's available. And the longer version of that video will become available uh, the 10th of October. And I think that's a video that I I saw an early uh, edit of that video and it was about 30 minutes. Okay, not too bad, yeah. Okay, and it's worth pointing out as well that um, despite you know you being Dutch and the the guys working on this being Dutch, it's it's actually all in in English. Is that right? Yes, the video is in English. Um, uh, us being Dutch does mean uh, um, English is not our native language, so um, it might be um, not as easy to uh, to understand for native English speakers or other language. Uh, native language speakers, but uh, uh, we give it our best shot. <laughs> I'm sure, sure you do. Uh, so, sounds fascinating. So yeah, I'm, I'm really interested to see what uh, what the guys have done with that because uh, it, certainly that game was unplayable as it came from the, the factory. Yes, despite yeah. um, some people wanting wanting to believe that it was uh, a fully complete and fully working game, we we, we all know it wasn't. And right. uh, and I'm, it's taken two and a half years working on it. I'm sure they they 
you know, been very careful and, and meticulous in, in how they've uh, how they've followed the theme and the intention of the original game. Yeah, they tried to stick very close to uh, uh, what has been uh, intended in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, although some things uh, that that they later found out, uh, the ball at some point the ball was supposed to be floating, and mm. I really have no idea how you can make a ball float in a pinball machine. I mean, in Pinball Magic, they did a trick with uh, a visual or optical trick where it seems that the ball is floating. Mm. Up. Yes. But that's, right. uh, that's just a mechanism where the ball is attached, uh, and uh, it's, so it's that a fake works. Ball. Yeah, yeah, it's a fake ball. Yeah. Um, but in uh, in this case, apparently the ball was supposed to float or rise up very slowly, and that, um, the way they managed to 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 get it to work is um, uh, using an up kicker, and it just kicks the ball up, and it's not floating or or whatsoever. But it works. Yeah, it's onto onto the upper playfield. Yes, yes, and yeah. um, uh, they've been very um, resourceful, I would say, with their um, uh, solutions to get this game to work. But you'll see all of that in the um, in the video that will be released this weekend. Yeah, so a couple of days. Well, from now and probably almost no, one day from the time you're listening to this. So, right. Uh, yeah. And then, then the full one the following weekend. So even better. Yes. Okay. okay, I think that's, uh, that wraps up our, uh, our Deep Root-related news. Right. So um, let's move to um, our, our good friend Mike Kalinowski's uh, homeping company and uh, find out what what he's doing, because uh, it was in our last pincast, or previous one, I should say, not the last, um, he announced uh, officially that This Is Spinal Tap would be the next game. Right. And um, since then... Um, no, not so much news as on the progress of that. Yes, I reached out to uh, to Mike earlier today, and um, he told me they are full speed ahead, making assemblies and boards to fill orders they already received from uh, various home pain agents uh, all over the world. Uh, obviously, there's a couple of distributors, um, Nitro in um, Canada, I believe, uh, RS Pinball in Austria, um, and there's a few more. Sorry if I can't think of uh, uh, who else to name. Yeah, but, hi- highway Pinball in Australia, I think. Yeah, and I'm right. um, not sure whether Kingpin Games in America is also, uh, or Pinball Star Amusements. Mm-hmm. Uh, forgive me if you're not a distributor, or <laughs> if you're a distributor and I forgot your name. Um, but, uh, so the first orders have been, uh, coming in, which is, uh, uh, interesting as nobody has seen the game yet. Uh, but apparently there's a lot of trust that it will be a, uh, a fun game. And, um, um, well, like, uh, Micah mentioned, uh, they're making assemblies and boards and, um, he did show a couple of, uh, photos, uh, on which, uh, general illumination LED boards, are uh, uh, assembled or um, soldered together so that they um, can light up the game once installed. And uh, if you see, if you've seen those pictures, um, what you see is um, a sort of a PCB with 
I think it's a uh, rows of 10 by 10. Mm-hmm. So 100... Um, uh, 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 little circuit boards, I suppose, with LEDs yes. mounted on them. I guess yes. they, I guess they all get snapped off into into yes. individual boards, yes. and then and then screwed onto the playfield and wired in. So. Yes, that's the idea because it makes yeah. no sense to have a hundred LEDs or something. <laughs> and then, be, whoa, that would be very bright. Yes. yes. <laughs> so um, that's the only news so far from uh, from Homepin, but it's, uh, I suppose it's good news, and uh, hopefully we get. To, to see what the game looks like uh, very soon. Yeah, yeah, before the end of the year would be nice. Yeah, and uh, okay, so let's move on. Um, let's head back to the uh, to the US um, and up to the north and uh, talk about our, our good friends at Spooky Pinball. Yes, well, they uh, did not uh, put out that many updates, although they are uh, intending to do to 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 do more updates on uh, social media. Mm-hmm. Um, turns out, um, according to their latest post, they are currently manufacturing five to six games a day in a four-day week. Uh, but they are planning to increase that to 40 games a week, um, which is like 10 a day, um, over the course of the next four months. And that's quite an increasement, I would, uh, uh, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Um so that's going from well a potential of 24 games over a 4-day week up to 40. So yeah, almost, almost a doubling. Yeah. Right. But they are yeah. they are still hiring for all positions. And uh, so I guess that that's probably going to depend on them them finding staff to work uh, and and produce those extra games. Uh, if you are interested in uh, working for Spooky Pinball, as I say, they are hiring. Uh, the work is Monday to Thursday, 10-hour days from 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. notionally. Right. So if that suits you, and you, I, I, I suspect they will all be roles that involve you being in Benton, Wisconsin. So if that's something which uh, appeals to you, get in touch with Spooky Pinball. Right, yeah. And uh, they also announced a code update for Halloween, which will become available October 1st, which is today. Mm. Uh, I just checked uh, on the, uh, the Spooky Me too. Uh, Facebook page. <laughs> um, it hasn't been uh, announced there yet, other than that it would be coming today. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, apparently that uh, this update will uh, include 15 new uh, clips from uh, from the movie, uh, they are going for 19 in total, but 15 have already been approved. Um, so that's uh, going to be a big update for for those that already have the game. And a code update for Ultraman is also expected later uh, this month, which is the month of October, of course. Mm. Yes, and they're planning to work on new code for those, those games for the, the next 12 months. So we can expect to see lots of updates, and we'll uh, obviously inform you about them here and uh, and and detail how the game is is developing over that time yes so and um uh another interesting uh, little fact i suppose um it turns out that um some of the uh, some or one of the inserts on uh, on halloween uh, appears to be smaller than the text that it's supposed to light up um the company is currently looking into how they uh, can solve that by either changing the artwork or changing the insert mm. yes that's uh, probably not something you tend to notice unless you play the game in a really darkened room and uh, and then can't see what, what it says on it yeah so um, and um, I think it was just uh, two letters or the, I'm, I'm not even sure what the word was but mm. 
let's say it said multi-ball and then the double L at the end of ball was falling outside the insert and didn't light up. So it lit up, it would say multi-bar. <laughs> so, um, not not the, the the biggest issue, but something it, it would be nice to uh, to have it sorted out. And they're looking into it. So. Right. Okay. So well, I think that's about it for for spooky. I don't think we have anything anything else coming from from them yet. No. So let's move over to your your side of the uh, of the pond or several ponds, and uh, what's happening at Dutch Pinball with the uh, the Big Lebowski. Um, well, they're still. Um uh, steadily moving forward, as Barry mentioned uh, earlier today uh, when I texted with him. Um, and um, not much other news to report, although... Uh, you <coughs> Sorry. You apparently found a notice from uh, uh, Kuhn, their programmer, yep, that there right. is a uh, um, software update coming uh, that addresses a couple of bug fixes uh, that, that came into play no pun intended, um, <laughs> after the previous uh, code update of last month. Oh, yeah, I, I think it was actually actually already available. It's, it came out just yesterday, uh, the 30th of September. It was version 0.57, um, the previous one, which we which you also told about was 0.56, so it's a, it's a minor um, increment on that. It fixes a couple of issues. Um, there was a problem with the power supply making a clicking noise, which um, I think is now now sorted out, um, and people have mentioned about how the bowling mechanism was making quite a lot of noise in the game, and uh, that's now been changed, so it uses the motor uh, somewhat less, and uh, the noise is, is subsequently rather lower as well in volume, and change the, change the ball search as well, so the, the common places where the ball is liable to get stuck are, are triggered first, and fixed a couple of minor bugs as well, so, you know, um, not major changes, uh, but uh, you know, nice that uh, that Cohn was able to get that those fixed uh, pretty quickly and get that new update out. I'd say at the time that we are recording this, first of uh, October, it's not even publicised on their page, on their website, or on their on their f uh, Facebook page. I think it's just on uh, Pinside. I happen to notice it. Right. Okay. So, and it's interesting to note that um, I don't think we should expect any minor updates for the Big Lebowski anytime soon, as the goal is uh, that the next update should be uh, 1.0. Right. Which is a rather big update, I suppose, um, that should include, uh, well, all the modes, the wizard mode and everything. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, so they're working on that, but I uh, don't expect that to be ready in a couple of months. So let's give them time. They're still building games, and uh, I'm happy for that as well. So, and that's all the news from Dutch Pinball at the moment. Okay, so um, let's let's um, let's move to to Multimorphic. We've also got uh, a couple of uh, small items of news this month. The first of which being that they've they've added wireless updating of game code. Yeah. You know, previously, uh, Wi-Fi, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, previously you would have to plug in a USB stick in order to put new game code on them, but now you can do it over Wi-Fi. So uh, that seems to be the way that uh, companies are going. So that that's good news if you uh, if you have a, a P3 machine and uh, want to update your game code. Speaking of which, um, yeah. there is a, a code update for one of those games, um, Sorcerer's Apprentice. Actually, yeah, the most recent released last month. Yep, as you would expect. Uh, early days for that game, so updates will be coming, I would say thick and fast, but they're becoming um, not infrequently. And um, 
if you have the wireless um, data software in, in your P3 game, you'll be able to do that wirelessly. And uh, I haven't looked into exactly how it works, but uh, it might be able to even update itself automatically without any intervention, which would be uh, an option, you would hope. Like magic. Yeah. Wow. Very appropriate. Yes, very good. Yeah, <laughs> as I said, only, only a couple of uh, small items, but uh, wireless updating is um, is a nice feature to have, and uh, well done to everyone uh, who's, who's been working on that at Multimorphic. Right, and speaking of well done, uh, compliments to you for our uh, next topic, uh, which is the uh, pinball adventures. Uh, <laughs> you discovered something that I had not discovered yet, so uh, kudos to you on that one. Uh, what can you tell us? Well, we, you know, we've mentioned several times how the, how the pinball adventures, only remember is the company which is uh, developing the Punny Factory, and had a whole list of other titles that they say are uh, yeah. in the pipeline. Elements, but, and uh, this, uh, yeah. there's a sushi game coming. Yeah, n- none of which have actually been produced yet and we were wondering what happened because their website just says uh, what new new website coming soon all their uh, facebook stuff disappeared but see pretty much all their social media stuff had gone well, that's and, uh, quite a red flag yeah you'd think so but apparently um i was told that they are still updating on instagram they have an instagram account pinball adventures and if you go on there, you can see pictures you know, uh, posted. It's generally just like one picture at a time. But it's, uh, I think the last one was from four days ago and then a week week ago. And you know they're doing fairly regular updates on there, showing limited progress on the uh, on the Punny Factory. They're still asking sort of some, or asking some fairly fundamental questions like, you know, which which type of cabinet do you prefer? Do you prefer the the printed one or do you prefer the embossed? cabinet because we saw this when the when, uh, Pony Factory was first announced a long time ago that they were going to offer the cabinet in different styles I think it's now coming down to one or the other and, and people will get to to uh, tell them which one they prefer um, the only thing on there I suppose which is actually that interesting is that they say the Pony Factory has 250 different puns in the game code uh, of which only a maximum of 50 will be used in any game, any one game. So they say there'll be, there's plenty of variety in there. So right. you shouldn't be seeing the same ones over and over. They've got that many. Okay. Well, that's uh, good. Although yeah. I have to say, if that's, uh, if those are the puns that you see on their Instagram <laughs> account, then... Yeah. Um, okay, I'm not a bit sure dodgy. what to think of it. Yeah. 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 yeah, some are a bit of a stretch, but hey, you know, it's, uh, they'll probably just flash up fairly quickly and uh, you probably wouldn't even notice what most of them were unless, you, unless they, they've actually written them, written them out for you. You don't have to don't spend time working them out. But uh, it's nice that they are up producing updates. So, yeah, Instagram is probably your, your place if you want to keep an eye on what uh, Pinball Adventures are up to with the Punny Factory. Right. Okay. Since we're uh, crossing the globe, um, um, let's head over to uh, our friends uh, at Haggis Pinball in Australia. What can you tell us? <laughs> well, uh, basically nothing that I was able to find out. They, uh, last month's um, fairly comprehensive video showing the, the operation they set up in, uh, in Australia to build the, uh, well, first of all, the Celts game and then the, uh, the Fathom Revisited. It, uh, there's been pretty much a silence from uh, from Damien and, and the team down there. So uh, I, I haven't got anything to, to report from them, unless you have. No, I don't either. Okay, then let's move on to um, other news. Um, I suppose there's uh, two uh, two topics um, 
to address. Um, uh, um, one, and then we get into our interview with Rob Bird. So uh, stay tuned for that. Mm -hmm. um, but um, one of the uh, uh, rather, uh, I suppose you can call it, uh, exciting and sad at the same time events uh, happening the past month was, of course, uh, the Museum of Pinball auctioning off uh, their entire collection of pinball and video games. Yes, it's uh, a sad sight to see. Um, having, you know, you and I, as we said before, have, have been there and, uh, and and had a chance to enjoy and, and, and be amazed at the scope of, of the collection that was there, to see it all gone. And every single machine there has been auctioned off. I'm not saying they were all necessarily sold. I, I think they all all went somewhere, but that that place has to be has to be cleared out in time for this month when the uh, the cannabis farm is is moving in. So it was a real real shame to see all those go under the hammer. They went off in uh, in two two events each three days long. There was a Friday, Saturday, Sunday uh, three weeks ago, and Friday, Saturday, Sunday last week as well where um yeah it was it was um it was fairly evenly split in terms of the value of the game or at least the, the price at which the game sold for across the two auctions but i think everybody in the pinball side certainly was gobsmacked at the prices some of these games were, were going for yeah um those are usually not the prices that i pay for games <laughs> i don't think they're the prices many people pay for them and uh I, I think quite a lot of people were looking at looking at their collections with uh, with different eyes this time, thinking, uh, "Well, wow! If all those games sell for that kind of money, then uh, mine must be worth that kind of money." And uh, we've seen that as well in in auction in prices for for items for sale. You know, the, the people have said, "Well, this this sells at the Museum of Pinball for this amount of money, so mine must yeah. be worth that amount of money." And well, well I think that's a, a, a good reference. Um, I'm afraid a lot of people that bought games from the uh, Museum of Pinball uh, will end up being disappointed as some of the games were not in the greatest shape. Yeah, I think it's kind of assumed that if it's a museum, it must be museum quality and therefore must be you know pristine and uh, exhibit worthy. And I don't think that's the case at all. No, no. Um, uh, obviously, these uh, 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 no disrespect to anybody, but uh, obviously these games were put on uh, display, and uh, there were working uh, multiple technicians sometimes on a game, on a game, each with uh, his own ways of fixing a, a machine, which not always ben benefits uh, the game, I suppose. Um, again, no disrespect, because obviously these were all volunteers. Uh, but I do remember that some of the games did not play that uh, that well. Mm. Yeah, uh, and it could be a matter of taste as well. Um, but if you bought a um, um, well, let's say a ten thousand dollar game, um, you expect to 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 receive a good functional playing game that 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 will bring you a lot of joy yeah especially um, if if you could have bought that same game for five thousand dollars from somewhere else that wasn't yeah. the museum of pinball right yeah that that was the most surprising thing but i suppose that's the benefit of getting uh nationwide or even international exposure to such a large collection being auctioned off i mean even the new york times wrote about it yeah, it was on CNN. It was uh, it was it was covered nationally, as you say, and and internationally. So uh, it was uh, no surprise that there were an awful lot of eyes watching the the Captain's Warehouse auction 
or auction warehouse, I should say, um, website to see how it was going. Yeah, I was rather surprised to see um, the uh, the most expensive item being sold. Well, actually, I was surprised at the price that several items (laughs) sold for. But um, there is this game called Red Race, which is a a prototype that Williams made. Um, It's a sort of... um, uh, a game with a play field that can, uh, uh, with so, a joystick, you can uh, mm-hmm. angle in every direction. Yeah, that's Basically, right. you have to, to make the ball follow a certain path. It's almost uh, like one of those little kids' toys that you get in a, in a Christmas cracker or a, uh, in, a, in, a little, in a dollar toy shop or something, where, where you still steer the ball around a maze and try and get it to go through various lanes and drop, avoid dropping into certain holes. You know, right. just hold it in your hand, but it's a it's an arcade um, cocktail size game, right? But, yeah, and the, the fact that you're operating it with a um, with a joystick and mm. not necessarily physically touching uh, the edges of the of, of the playfield uh, makes it rather more difficult. But um, the story that I understand is that Williams uh, built test uh, ten test games, put them on location, and they earned terribly. Nobody liked it. Mm. So the whole idea was abandoned, and um, one yeah, of those the, ten games ended up in the in the Museum of Pinball, and it sold for, um, if I'm not mistaken, uh, over forty thousand dollar hammer price, and then taxes uh, uh, added to it, resulting in uh, fifty one thousand dollars. That's correct. That's the most expensive lot there, lot number 1,340. So you can see there were a lot of items for sale. But yes, it was uh, $40,500 is the hammer price. And yeah, there was, uh, there was one of those games in the UK at one point, and I think somebody was offered a, a very large sum of money to send it to the US, and uh, it might even be the same machine. I don't know. But uh, I played it over here. I didn't think it was anything great, but it's rarity value, I suppose. Yeah, I suppose so too. But um, so then, good news if you have one of those games because it just got a lot <laughs> more expensive. Yeah, well, valuable anyway. Um, yeah, and um, what the second most expensive game at, um, at the auction or the highest price, second highest price reached was actually for a a very modern game. It was the Pirates of the Caribbean Collector's Edition from Jersey Jack Pinball, which. Right. Um, Obviously, not in production anymore. So, if you wanted one, you and you missed out, you wouldn't. You'd have to buy one from somewhere, someone who had it. But that went uh, under the hammer for thirty-two thousand dollars. And when when you add the buyer's premium and tax onto it, takes it to, to, to uh, forty thousand six hundred eighty-six dollars. So, right. forty thousand dollars for a Pirates of the Caribbean collector's edition. Right, and that was. Was that the? Do you know whether that was the three disc uh, edition or a prototype? Or I don't believe it was. I think it was just a standard in in box game. Okay. Yeah, didn't say it was a proto game. Right. So. And then and the was... runner up, the third, uh, <laughs> yeah. the third, third runner up, um, being uh, Elvira's House of Horror. Horrors. Yeah. It's really yeah. tongue twisting that one. Yeah, another collector's edition game uh, with the with a bit of uh, Elvira's sofa material included with it, and that that sold for twenty six thousand uh, dollars with a, a total price after buyer's premium and tax of over thirty three thousand. So these wow. are the kind of prices which uh, which people well, and, uh, were, and, were paying. And, and, 
if you're just looking at the, uh, let, let's say, um, electromechanical games, uh, because there were quite a few electromechanical games, mm. I think on average, um, I'd say they probably sold like uh, for 1500 to $2,500 uh, a piece. There were some very rare electromechanical games, I'll, I'll definitely admit that, but there were also games that, that shouldn't be that difficult to find and mm-hmm. still raised... Uh, or went down for a price that I have difficulty selling it for. Yeah, like an El Toro, for instance. Um, I mean, that sold sold for two thousand uh, dollars. Total price two and a half. Um, Sky Kings was the same. Uh, thinking like a uh, King Tut sold for twenty six hundred uh, yeah. before tax and and buyer's premium. You know, I don't think there was much really that was going below fifteen hundred there. Yeah, at least I think the cheapest game that was sold was went for a thousand dollars. Where you have to uh, keep in mind that I think the lowest bit that you could do on a game was five hundred, and then it immediately increased to a thousand. You couldn't jump up a hundred or something. Like that. that was only for if once the games were auctioned off life and yeah, it uh, it it varied, but the. Um, Depending on on, uh, I think if they were like the twenty thousand dollar games, they were going up in the five hundred. If they were much lower, they would take smaller bids, smaller increments on, on right. them. I think. Yeah. But anyway, the uh, the total raise was uh, was nearly seven million dollars, including the buyer's premium and tax, um, five point four million uh, to the museum. I don't know what the museum pays uh, captains auctions for uh, for their services. I mean they. But the captain's auctions take the buyer's premium, so they they get a nice, uh, uh, I guess, almost well, million and a half. I'd have thought um, out of that, or a million I should, two. I should start an auction company too. Yeah, it's not bad. It's not a bad business to be in. Uh, plus, whatever the museum paid them, um, I don't know whether the museum did pay them anything, but who knows? But. Yeah, okay. um, it was a uh, yeah. I mean, I think at the start, the captains said they reckoned it would be about seven million, and they were they were uh, on the money, literally, with that. Right. Okay. And so, if you want to get all the prices and uh, report and uh, on what happened, then uh, check out the Pinball News article that lists every every uh, every day's auction prices and the totals as well. Right. Okay. So, and uh, what's also interesting to note is that John Weeks, the um owner of the Museum of Pinball, or previous owner of the Museum of Pinball, I should say, uh, will be doing a seminar, a Q&A, where he will be talking about uh, the Museum of Pinball and the, and the recent auction at uh, the Pinball Expo show, which is um, uh, later this month. Mm, yeah, you would think... And speaking uh, of which, I think this would be a good bridge to uh, to cross over to our interview uh, with... Just what uh, I was going to say, yep. Yeah, Rob yes. Burke, the yeah. organizer of Pinball Expo. If, if anyone can tell us what's what's going to be going on, it'll be him. So uh, yeah, let, let's let's uh, let's go over to Rob, and he can tell us all about the events. Have you guys seen the uh, our seminars for this year yet? I'm looking yeah, at, absolutely. at the, at the yeah. schedule yeah, right too. now. Yeah, I mean the seminars every year. You know, I I think I've reached a, a new high, but. If you look at it this year, this is the first time in Expo history I've had uh, seminars uh, throughout every day, every lunch. Normally, I have a break for lunch. There's no break this yeah. year for lunch. 
I mean, there is so much going on. It's unbelievable. Yeah, and, I, I, uh, I wouldn't like to say I'm, I'm almost glad I'm not there because I know that uh, the exact opposite is true. But I can imagine if I was there and trying to cover the, all these seminars, it would be, yeah. well, it would be impossible almost. Well, jo Jonathan, knowing me, maybe the way you do is I, I don't uh, take a, a second-hand uh, look at anything. I, I want to go all the way in everything I do. It's just my nature, how I'm wired. Right. I, I, I always try to one-up myself every year, even, you know. Right. This well, was great. But later next year. Seems to me the like... The only you, way you can you, is you, adding you, more days. No, I don't think so. More more days. It's the only way I can fit more seminars in. Look, I mean, it's ridiculous. It's crazy. But, you know, I enjoy it because a lot of people are really interesting. and They're a part of, of the hobby. And for me, what makes this year especially interesting is um, I pulled out a lot of gay guys that I've met through Facebook that typically aren't even attendees at Expo. So to me, that was a real fun part of the show, uh, doing it. Um, the one guy in particular that... Um, okay. The one guy in particular that I was really excited to get, he goes by the name of Rocket Pinball. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like the dog's excited. Yeah, let me find this guy. <laughs> his name real quickly here. Um, hold on, guys. I've met so many people, but yet I, I can't remember their names. Well, that's uh, going to be the, 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 I mean, missing out on the seminars is one thing for us. Uh, but we hope we are able to watch these online. But missing, well, we're, we're missing, on missing out on all the people that you usually uh, uh, run into, have a chat with, yeah. uh, yes. that's the toughest part. So here he is. It's Andy Sokol. Um, oh, yeah. I was just looking at him about 3D printing. Yeah. So what happened was he had a presentation he did on Facebook earlier in the year. And it was just on uh, the posts. And uh, he created posts. Normally, normally posts are either red or white. Mm -hmm. Yes. He made, he made the post uh, sort of like wood-looking post, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. I mean, but that's just the beginning of it. So I told him, I said, Boy, I said you are on something here. I said, you got to keep going with this. So then he, he's, he's made a, a, a tremendous amount of a, a variety of the credit buttons. And the, the mm -hmm. credit buttons match the theme of the pinball machine. So that is really cool. Now and then he's doing the the beehive plunger shooters, like they mm -hmm. have on the old Gauntlet games. Yeah. You know they're either solid red or solid white. But what he's doing now, he's made them multicolor: red, white, blue, uh, gold. And you know, I guess whatever the theme of the game is, he's going to do it. Now, when I talked to him recently, uh, back to the posts again. He's making posts that look like uh, bowling pins with the idea going uh, like the Valley Strikes and Spares or the earlier uh, Gottlieb game, Bowling Queen. Yeah, or the 300. Yeah, so you know, he's just he's adding another mod dimension that no one's really talked about before, but they really are fun. Yeah, and, and really easy, to, easy, easy to implement in your game as well. Exactly. So he's going to be there showing all his stuff. I'm especially excited about that because it's something new and different. I mean, people make toppers and people do the, 
the side mirrors and this and this and that. But this is really different. But it's it's fun and it's not you know too pricey. Right. So he's the one guy, and of course, it's always a pleasure to see Pat Lawler come back. Uh, he's going to be doing his fireside chat. He's always been a big attraction for this show. And, you know, this is the year that we're, we're going to have um, all the major manufacturers, but, you know, American Pinball, you know, with Dave Fix now working for them, mm-hmm. has really, you know, increased and expanded uh, what they have done and what they will be doing and the games are coming out with. Now, you're also uh, expanding the show Hopefully into the... Into the realm of, uh, of video games and, and retro games as well. How, how did that come about? Yeah. Well, you know, I'm seeing more and more of the shows uh, that are similar to Pinball Expo, but I see more and more shows integrating other aspects of, of the uh, video and gaming industry. And um, as you know, for the past couple of years, we've had Doc Mack coming there from Gallop and Ghost with his mm-hmm. video games, and, and they were received well. As a matter of fact, he's bringing 50 games this year. Wow. But uh, my son collects the retro stuff, the, the old GameCube and Dreamcast and N64, some of the systems. And we've gone to a lot of their shows, and, and there's a lot of energy in their shows. And a lot of the, the games that were developed for that industry were recreated in a commercial form, you know, um, by the major manufacturers, whether it be Williams or Bally or, or well, I'm sorry, Williams or Stern, or whatever, they, mm-hmm. they have versions of these same uh, handheld games. So, um, you know, the the, the, some, or the artists kind of uh, intermingled, and, and um, they produced some of the games for the video games and the video sector of it, so uh, it just seemed like it's one big happy family to include them. So this year, we're going to have between 8 and 10 vendors uh, on that retro video game aspect of it, and we'll see how it goes. You know, I don't, I don't want to turn the show into a retro show by, by no means. But there'll be one little section of it for those people that are into that. And, and the, it's a counterculture that's a little bit similar to the video game guys. So uh, they, they, they kind of are on the same page. So we have a couple of seminars on that part of that, that industry. And so for those people that will be there, it should be interesting. Uh, as a side note, one of the guys that does the... Um, uh, they call it the the International Video Hall of Fame. Oh yeah! But mm-hmm. they are going to be inducting. And it's going to be in, in print, so it's not no secret. But they're going to be inducting Gary Stern. Yes. Yes. Into the so, video video hall of video fame. game. Yeah. Okay. So you know that's intriguing it's a long, to me. A long time since Gary Stern did a video game. Well, his company did the, the old Stern produced yeah, a lot I know. of. Mm. Well, that's a long time ago. So, so I mean, I've got a lot of them, but you know, when he sees some of these things, you know, it brings back a lot of memories for him and his family because that they were a big part of the industry when it was really hot in the eighties. Right. Okay. Well, that's interesting. But uh, I'm just trying to sit here. You know, Stern has got so many seminars starting at four o'clock. Stern's just going nuts with all those seminars. Um, mm. The one guy did bow out was Doug Watson. He was going to be speaking this year, but because of COVID, he was concerned about it, so he bowed out, but as quickly as he bowed out, I, uh, I put a, some new speakers in, in his place. And For me, as many speakers as we got, if someone else reaches out to me and says, hey, I want to speak, it's like, you're walking to me, you tell me where I'm going to put you. 
<laughs> so in this case, it was interesting, but Doug bowed out like on a Monday, and then Wednesday, not knowing that, um, the guys from uh, the homebrew community reached out to me and asked if they could speak. So um, I, I got a hold of uh, Mark Sidian and, and this Ryan McQuaid, and they're right there, man. They, they can't wait to talk about their stuff. Yeah, the seminar program is, is really packed. Um, um, what else well, can, can you I, tell about okay. uh, the number of games that's being brought into the show? Because you're at a new location. You're going to Schaumburg, which will be the first time uh, at, at the Renaissance Hotel. Um, uh, packed seminar program. What else is there to do if people are not attending seminars? Well, we are having... I myself are bringing over 100 games. Stern's promise between 40 to 60. Uh, Jersey Jack is 20 to 30. Uh, American Pinball around 20. So that's all I know. You, you have to realize that a lot of people come here and they, at the last second they show bringing bring in games with them. But uh, I've been committed by phone. A lot more games are becoming in, almost to the point where I'm not sure where I'm going to put them. So uh, this year's show... Between the seminars, the games coming in, the speakers, and the tournaments coming in, which I'll speak about in a second, it's got to be at an all-time high. And we have advertised so much, not only through Facebook and other social media, but also um, radio in the Chicagoland area and uh, billboards in the Chicagoland area. And finally... I did something I've never done before, but between three magazines, Sports Illustrated, Gentleman's Quarterly, and People's Magazine, um, I'm advertising full-page ads in all three of those publications, which they claim will reach over one million eyes. Wow. Well, um, looking at the results of the uh, the recent banning auction, um, it sure helps if you get the New York Times involved as well. So here's a suggestion for you. Yeah, well, I know that the, uh, the guys down there at the Banning Museum, including Chris Campbell, who's with, with the Captain's Auction Group, he has put posts on, on their his website, and he's sending out uh, email blasts to his to his customer base about the expo. Okay, well, that's so, something. Yeah, plus you know John Weeks, the guy that ran the Banning Museum, he will be speaking on our show. Yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty especially interesting. Yeah, yeah, that's. Exactly right. That would be very interesting. Now, one of the things that you touched on just now was um, people who were concerned about uh, COVID and uh, and keeping safe. What uh, what sort of uh, assurances or comfort can you give to people that uh, are a little concerned about coming to a large public gathering like Pinball Expo that they will be right. safe but, and uh, and that all relevant measures will be taken to keep them that way? Yep. You know, we're following the protocols set up by Cook County. So mm-hmm. right now, event in the Chicago area is is a mask event. You must wear a mask. So right. there'll be masks everywhere. There'll be mask stations. We'll bring a loaded mask down, and there'll be uh, sanitation stations. Because we we sell the sanitation. You know the the, the uh, what do you call it? The, the alcohol based cleaners. Yeah. yeah, we'll have that, uh, multiple stations for that throughout the location and we'll do our best to wipe down the game i mean it, it gets to a point where you, you try to do everything every minute of every day 
just when you think you do everything covered, someone says, hey, you didn't clean that game in the past two hours. So, you know, we try to be as, as diligent as we can, but um, we just hope that we, we catch everything and do everything that we need to do to make everybody feel safe. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, what, one other thing um, which I noticed on the, on the when I'm looking on the website was it said that um, to get the group rate on uh, hotel reservations, they need to be made before Monday, the eleventh of October. Is is that still correct? Can do people have um, you know, just a few days now in order to get their, their hotel reservations in if they haven't to, already done them? To get to get that special rate, yeah. yes. I mean, okay. otherwise there may be rooms, but the pricing will go up. So um, there is still time to get it. And, um, you know, I, I want to allude to something else again, guys. Um, the tournaments we're having this year is, is, is unprecedented. And I mentioned that because um, I have a guy coming down here that uh, he's with the national air hockey team. Now, this is something we don't normally talk about, you know, at Expo or even C at any show anymore. But this guy is Chicago-based, and they're going to have an air hockey tournament there. Yeah. And it's not going to be crazy like the pinball tournament, but it's open to anybody, so there'll be prizes for that. Oh, also, cool. um, Baytech is coming down. The people that make skee-ball, right. mm -hmm. they're coming down, and they're having a skee-ball tournament. Again, these things won't be major tournaments, but they're going to have it at their booth. Um, they're also going to have... Um, a killer queen tournament. Now, yeah. I'm not sure if you guys are, Jonathan, are you familiar with that? Or Martin, are you familiar with that? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that uh, huge, great arcade piece. Yeah. So, you know, we don't normally have this up on our show, but I saw that killer queen down there at, at Logan Hardware a couple of years ago. What in the world is this thing? So they're bringing two killer queen uh, units down there, and uh, they're bringing the, their, their team of people to score it. So that's going to be crazy. You know, there's so much going on in tournaments alone that no matter what sector of expo you come for, whether it be the tour, whether it be the seminars, whether uh, the, the tournaments, everything is, is going to be at a fiery pace, man. There's going to be so much happening there. Forget about sleeping. You don't, you don't have a prayer, <laughs> man. There's no, no need to sleep because oh. so much interesting things going on here and and opportunities for fun and games. We had that pin, pin quest guy coming down again. If you remember him, mm -hmm. yeah, he did scavenger hunt. Yeah, so he's got these little little. Uh, I don't know exactly what he's doing. They're gnomes or whatever he's using. He's putting them all through the place, and you got to find them. <laughs> and whoever finds them gets in the in the drawing for more prizes. I mean, it's just going to be fun no matter what you do. And then Walter Day will be there with his um, trading card table. Yeah, people that and uh, that fun with pinball guys. You there last time when he came to Expo? Um, fun with pinball. Uh, Bo and Karis, you mean? No, fun with pinball is the guy that has the. Um, he shows how how the bumpers work and how the plunger right. work. Okay, yeah. Do you remember that guy? I think I've seen him. I can't think of his name right now. He was inside the uh, one of the halls there. His name was Mark Gibson. Oh, right, yes. Do you guys remember him? Or do you remember yeah. seeing oh, him? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. You know, he's, he's got a website. It's like a hands-on uh, exhibit where you can go up there and you can see how, how the, like, a pitch and bat works. It shows, the, you know, the, the inner workings of all these 
of these components. Okay. Right. So yeah. if, if, if people want to find out more, where should they go to, to look at the schedule and to get more information and to buy tickets for the show? Yeah, everything is on the, the website, pinballexpo.com. Uh, let me allude to one more thing, guys. Uh, Project Pinball is coming back, with, and, and you know those proceeds go to that charity. And they claim that they're going to have a massive auction this year. So that's going to be crazy. Okay. And, then and, and in a good cause. In a good cause. And then people that are into these retro games, they're going to have one area there with just these um, – Systems going back from the you know the early '80s onward, everything from uh, GameCube to uh, Xbox, you know the, the newer stuff, PlayStation, all these different stations will, or units will be on display, not only to look at but to play them. So you know I, I can hardly I can hardly find the breath to talk about everything going on. It's just, <laughs> and, it sounds like uh, you're, you're going to be out of breath before you even start the show. Um, are you going to be okay to actually it, it, be there the entire time? Yeah, I'm going to have to be there, man. It, it, it's just <laughs> it's exciting for me to see this come together. You know, I've always done the seminar since day one, and uh, you know it's always been a, a favorite part of Expo for me. But um, all these people we have speaking, they're, they're interesting people, and they're making the effort to come to the show, so... You know, kudos to them. There's another guy coming as a first-timer that I found through the internet. His name is uh, Tanner Petch, P-E-T-C-H. This guy has made a, a slew of custom pinball cabinets. Hmm. All right. Mm -hmm. they are, and I've seen pictures of them. They are so over the top. It's just so cool. Huh. Well, that will be so interesting. Stuff you've never seen anywhere. Right. Okay. And uh, what I also see, looking at the at the seminar or, or at the schedule of events, um, people can uh, uh, buy into a raffle and win a Stern pinball machine. That's correct. So we had that last time too, and, and I think it, it's a nice little uh, perk to come to Expo. You know, you, you could you could buy one ticket and, 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 and win. You know, who knows? I remember the old days. Tim Marr used to buy you know five hundred bucks for the tickets. He always wanted to win these games. But, um, you know, it, it's just, there's a little bit of everything for everyone, and, and it's so interactive, and we're getting the women more and more involved. We have a women's tournament, um, several women's tournaments, actually, and um, we also have speaking, but if you look at Friday at 12 o'clock noon, uh, Emily Brooks is going to be a moderator. It's our first woman moderator. Mm -hmm. But she's going to uh, do a deal called Pinball Luminary Showcase. Right. And With a, cover a, a bunch of artists. Uh, Zombie Yeti is there. Randy Martinez will be there. Ryan Cravens and Bill Brooks. Now, Bill Brooks is her husband. But, you know, um, I met them years ago in Fargo, North Dakota. They, they have a, a company called Fargo Pinball. And it was like a pinball club in the, for the local community. And um, we hit it off. Had a good time. I've seen them several times since. But this Emily Brooks is a very interesting lady. She is involved in so many things in their local community. Plus, she's what they call a Mrs. Uh, North Dakota. You know, the beauty pageant things. They have you know, mm -hmm. Miss Iowa, Miss Illinois, Miss this, Miss that. Well, she's a Mrs. North Dakota. Okay. So, 
Seems a little really, contradictionary, but okay. Yeah, <laughs> well, they have for the older one, but they've, they've gone through the first phases of mis, uh, you know, being single in these in these uh, pageants. Do they but also anyway, have a Mister North Dakota? <laughs> well, we haven't seen that yet. We'll have to ask uh, Donald Trump about that one. <laughs> anyway, are, you, uh, are you thinking of applying, Jonathan? No, I'm not in North Dakota. Oh, not yet. No. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but we got Mister UK. <clears throat> we'll get you in there, buddy. <laughs> okay, so if people want to buy tickets, uh, they buy them at the show now. Is that right? They can buy it through the internet, or they can buy them at the show. Yep, and there'll be you know tickets available all the time there. The, the tour, of course, is always a major attraction, and um, uh, there's so much happening, guys. It's it, it, my head spins this year. I don't know why, but. I think also and, uh, the fact that pe people just miss interacting with people. Yes. And they miss coming to the shows. And I know this, the shows are, sl are slowly coming back, which is exciting. And um, uh, it's just unfortunate about this crazy mask thing. And, you know, especially for those people coming out of Europe, you know, that they've uh, cut you guys off in no November. How they pick November, I'll never know. No. no I it's guess annoying, so but... Anyway, I, I uh, feel very envious of all those people who can make it, and the action kicks off at, uh, I guess, at seven o'clock on Wednesday night with your uh, regular bumper blast yep. um, welcome party. But of course, everything's going to be different being in the new venue. How how is that working out? You know, what 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 does what improvements does that give you uh, apart from the extra space uh, so in being in the in the Renaissance as opposed to uh, the Westin? Yeah, excellent question. So two years ago, you know, we the, the uh, Westin had approximately twenty five or twenty eight thousand square feet of space, and that was the, the whole hotel there. Mm -hmm. This year, we've gone from twenty eight thousand square feet to sixty six thousand square feet, over double the size. Right, it's incredible. So isn't it? what this also means is everybody will be under one roof. So all this action will be happening continuously, and we won't separate, you know, any other rooms. Uh, like Fun with Pinball was in one room in the one year, and then um, Stern had their party in one room. Mm -hmm. So this year, it's, everything is going to all happen in one room. It's, it's going to be uh, electrifying, I guess, to, to say the least. And um, any other features of the hotel? Because it's um, – is it – one thing that was always a problem with the Westin was it was very much cut off from from other um, other attractions and uh, other facilities. Is the is the Renaissance or Renaissance in a in a better place for that? Being in uh, Schomburg? Yep. Let, let me say one more thing before I forget. But Ron Kuhn, who gives that talk, you know, Friday mm -hmm. morning. Yeah. First one of the day. Coffee shop talk. Yeah. Um, he will be. Um, bringing his uh, uh, DJ equipment again. So he'll be there Wednesday night, rocking and rolling. And he's also coming back Saturday night. So it's, it's Halloween uh, around the corner there. So we're going to have a very festive evening Saturday night with uh, music and excitement from, from him. So that's going on. Uh, to answer your question, though, uh, Schaumburg, and where the hotel is, is the center of action of multiple restaurants, uh, multiple activities to do uh there's there's a shopping area there westfield ball this is you know mm -hmm. large shopping oh, yeah, center. we've been there yeah mm. so that's that's special T 
tons of restaurants around there, like I said, and a, a lot to do. So, um, you know, there's, as I used to say in the early years, the everything for everyone show. There's just so much going on at this year's show. And even the website, you guys have to admit, it's, you know, it's, it's quite expansive compared to what it was in the past. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. There's a lot of information on there. Make it very informative and, and just uh, to give an idea. It's, you know, it's a lot of work putting these shows on, as you guys can imagine. And even the guys in the UK, the, you guys are the ones I really admire the most because the accessibility of games in Europe has got to be a whole lot harder than here in America. Oh, yeah. So, um, you know, it's just amazing you guys can do what you do. But um, it, it it really breaks my heart, of course, that, that Europe is cut off from the show this year. And well, the not, only, guy, not only Europe, I suppose Asia as well. And, oh, uh, yeah. The one guy, Oscar, the guy from Spain. Mm. Um, oh, my gosh. You, you would have thought the guy is, uh, he was, you know, didn't break down in tears, but darn close to it. He just broke his heart. Yeah. That, they had this November 1st cutoff. I mean, all you guys. I mean, this is a chance to see your friends and to connect and for you guys just to, to see everybody firsthand and get some tidbits that no one knows about. Yeah. You know, everyone suffers from this. Yeah. Oh, well. It's out of our hands, I suppose. Now, let me ask you a question. Can I come to Europe? Yes, you can. Yes. yes. Well, you can certainly come to the UK. Um, it's fine for Americans to come in and go back, but uh, not the other way around. It's ridiculous. By the way, um, once again, we'll be bringing the Spanish games to Expo. So people had a good time with those last time. Oh, yeah, that was fun. I saw uh, actually quite a few games I've never seen before and some very interesting ones. Yeah, it is interesting. And, uh, you know, the homebrew guys will be back. So those games are always fun as well. Oh, yeah. Mm. New talent to be spotted. That's right. Yeah, they end up uh, being signed up by major, major companies quite often. Yeah, exactly right. So okay, well, thank you for your time, Rob. Yes, thank you, uh, to, Rob, uh, to to come on uh, on our show and uh, uh, tell us a little bit about what's in store for people attending Pinball Expo. Um, for those curious, uh, let me remind you of the dates. It starts October twenty seventh uh, in the evening with the uh, uh, bumper blast uh, party. And it continues until Saturday, October 30th. And uh, well, Teardown will continue until uh, Sunday, October 31st. But the main program and uh, uh, the tournaments will continue also until that day. And uh, the main program closes uh, uh, Saturday, October 30th. So that's mm -hmm. uh, four days of, uh, of, of Pinball Expo fun. Um, and as a previous at attendee, I can say, well worth attending. So if you are in the possibility to go unlike us, then I recommend go there, play pinball, meet new people, make new friends. And enjoy the new location as well, which uh, yeah. was your first year there. I would also want to mention, of course, the autograph session. That's right. always a fun part for me. And uh, we, got one. More, we have more people coming this year than we've ever had, so... Uh, that's something else would be uh, uh, always exciting for me to have that. Great. Okay. Thank you very much, Rob Buck. Jonathan, thank you. Martin, thank you. I'm going to miss you guys. And Martin, you're the, my number one AV guy. Uh, my eyes will be crying every day when I'll say, where's mine? Mine too. Mine too. <laughs> Martin, maybe, maybe we can consider 
burning your fingerprints, and I can put on some other person's fingerprints on you. And you come in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I like your thinking. We'll see what we can work out. All right, guys. Be safe, and thank you for reaching out. Well, there you have it. Rob yep, Burke, thanks, Pinball Rob. Expo. Um, uh, I believe uh, the, the, uh, Rob was calling from his cell phone, and his uh, Wi-Fi reception may not have been uh, that well. So there were a couple of hiccups. Uh, yeah, sorry we apologize for that. Never mind. Yeah, uh, uh, we were able to get the uh, the key points I think out of that interview, which uh, which I won't bother recapping because I think Rob does it better than I do. Right. Okay. So um, yeah, and uh, that that sums it up for uh, for our recap of uh, September and uh, looking forward to Pinball Expo, uh, which is uh, October twenty seventh to thirtieth. Uh, That's right. Um, yeah. If you're in, if you're going there. And join the show. Uh, we're very jealous that you get to go and we don't. <laughs> Still, never mind. I'm, I'm hoping to be able to do some coverage of it anyway. Um, but uh, we'll have more details of that nearer the time once uh, once we actually get there. And right. uh, things are, are absolutely confirmed. Other than that, I'm still hoping to get over to the US in November. And uh, if I can't get to uh, the Midwest Gaming Classic, which uh, you and I were both scheduled to go to, but that's right. right at the start of the month, then maybe get to some other events like uh, the, the Houston show and maybe IAPA. The, IAPA over in Florida and maybe, uh, well, who knows, might even make it up to uh, New England for a, a certain famed pinball show up there. But uh, nothing confirmed yet. We'll, we'll work on that, and I'll let you know uh, details at the end of October. Right. Okay. So, um, well, that sums it up for uh, for this recap. Uh, my name is Jonathan Newson of Pinball Magazine. Uh, thank you for your attention. And uh, Martin, do you have anything to add? No, I just uh, just say thank you for all the nice comments. Uh, we went to the uh, the UK show and. Um, and also comments that have, have been posted online about uh, various coverage and how much people enjoy this this uh, pincast. And uh, it's always nice to, to get good feedback and uh, you know, if it's got suggestions as well. So uh, keep that coming in. And we look forward to seeing you again in a month's time when we'll be looking back on all the events in the pinball world throughout October 2021. Which should be an exciting month. So stay tuned and we hope to uh, uh, report to you uh, early next month. Okay, until then, from us, goodbye. Bye-bye.